one of my favorite verses. You know, one of the things, when I read the Word of God, uh, I'm reading it, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not reading the Word of God to, well, what can I preach to the people? That's not why I read the Word of God. I read the Word of God to change me, amen? And, and one of the things that I appreciate about the Word of God is it's, it reveals the character of God. It, uh, if you want to know the Lord, well, how can you know the Lord? You read the Word. It literally tells us all about Him, amen? Uh, and so this, this scripture is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And I'm going to read it in King James, and I'll read it in another translation. Uh, the King James says, Galatians 5, 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Uh, in the New American Standard uh, Bible, which is a good translation, uh, in fact, I used to, uh, that was my primary Bible for many years and, until I started preaching. And, and, um, uh, and so the New American Standard Bible for that translation for, for verse 1 says, it was for freedom's sake, or it was for freedom that Christ set us free. I just like that phrase. It was for freedom. Why did Christ set us free? Because he wanted us to be free. So that gives me some insight into the character of God. What motivated the Lord to, to set us free? What motivated the Lord to send Jesus, to pay for the sins, to get us uh, out of the bondage of sin? What motivated him? Because he wanted us to be free. It wasn't because he wanted us to serve him. It wasn't because he wanted something from us. Because he cared about the humanity so much, he wanted us to be free. Uh, and so it was for freedom that Christ set us free, that Jesus spent the time, the energy, the effort of coming to the earth, uh, uh, living, uh, dying, shedding blood, and being resurrected so that we can be people that are free. Uh, and so that shows you something about the character of God, right? What, what uh, motivates God? A lot of people think when they think about God, they think he's just in a bad mood all the time and ready to get us. And that's not what motivates the Lord. He, he wants us to be free. Amen. See, the world thinks they're free but they're in bondage to sin because you just go say, hey, stop doing that. Well, I can't stop doing that. Well, then you're not free. Amen? Because a free person said, I, I can choose to do it. I can choose not to do it. A person who's not free said, I have to do it. Well, you know, the world says, I have to sin. I have to do these terrible things. I have to do this or do that. You know, whatever the thing is, you know, well, they're not free. See, as a child of God, I'm, I'm totally free to make a choice in every situation. I can, choo- I can choose to sin, which is stupid, right? But I can still choose to do that because I'm free to do that. Or I can choose to follow the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Uh, well, in that, then I'm free. Amen? And so when the world says, you know, uh, you, you church, you're under, you're, you're under so much bondage, they, it's the opposite world, right? Uh, they think they're free, but it's opposite world. They're not free. Amen? They have to smoke. They have to drink. They have to sleep around. They have to do whatever they do, do drugs. I'm free to not do any of those things. I can choose not to do any of those things. Uh, and, well, you know, you're not living. I, I, have, I have a wonderful life. Amen? If people that are living those things could just come, uh, you know, a lot of times they, they visit my world on a rare occasion, and they think, you know, nobody can live that way. We live in days of heaven upon the earth. Uh, amen? I don't have to wait to get to heaven to be in heaven. I live in, day, the Bible says I can live in days of heaven upon the earth. Amen? Remember what Jesus prayed? He said, thy will be done on earth as it is where? He said, thy will be done. What, what you want to be done, we, we want what you want to be done on earth where I live, right? Don't we live on earth? Now, heaven's great, amen? When we get there, it's going to be wonderful. Uh, everything's going to be good. All of our favorite sports teams will win every game, right? I mean, that's heaven, amen? Uh, and so, but we can have that here on the earth. We don't have to wait to get to heaven. He said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, and so, uh, we can live that way. And if you live in the days of heaven upon the earth, that means you, you have freedom, amen? It was for freedom that Christ set us free. I have a right to be free, uh, free from my past, free from my thoughts, free from my, you know, if my family is causing me uh, problems and difficulties, I'm free from that. 
if the world's uh, economy is going uh, in a terrible direction, I'm free from that. Amen. You know, all these, uh, I'm not uh, really, really old, but I have lived through a few recessions. Amen. Never lived through a depression, but lived through a few recessions. And everyone, we've chosen not to participate because I'm free not to participate. Amen. Well, you can't just not participate. I can if I'm free. If I'm free, I get to choose. I can choose to participate in the economic downturn. I can choose not to because a free person gets the choice. Amen. When you no longer have a choice, see, then you're no longer free. Amen. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, we're not going to go into it, but that's, see, if you understand that concept, then you can understand when people say things, you can, you can compare what they're saying with the Word of God and say, well, that can't be so. Uh, and so one of the things that uh, the Lord showed me many years ago in relation to a verse like this is any time that a choice is taken away from you, that is bad doctrine. Any time that says that you have no choice, that's not correct doctrine. And so what, what does, uh, for example, what does the homosexual community say? Well, I was born that way. I don't have a choice. Well, then that's not, that's not uh, correct doctrine, not from the Word of God. Amen? You have a choice. You chose to be that way. You chose to, to not be that way. Amen? Uh, and so, and, and, and this makes it really easy because when they say things like that, what they're saying is, since I'm, I was born that way, I don't have a choice to live how I want to live. I have to live that way. Uh, and, and what they're trying to say is, is I, I don't have to live according to the Word of God. I cannot live according to the Word of God. And the Word of God says I'm free. I can make a choice. I can choose to live that lifestyle. I can choose not to live that lifestyle. And a lot of people have chosen to live that lifestyle and, and get back out of that lifestyle. So if they were born that way, how do they, have, how do they ever get out of it? And people say, well, they're never really that way to begin with. Well, that's just, you know, making up an intellectual excuse, right? Uh, no, it's because every human being has a free will. Even if they're not saved, they still have a free will because every human being can choose to get saved, choose to receive the Lord Jesus, or not choose to receive the Lord Jesus. And a lot of times we, we try to remove um, our ability to make that choice. Uh, and a lot of times we try to set up our life in such a way as, Lord, I couldn't help it. You know, and, and, you know, whatever events have occurred, uh, whatever uh, experiences we've gone through in our life, a lot of times we'll use that to say, I, I can't help it. But see, any doctrine that says that you don't have a choice is not correct doctrine. I, I can't help being mad. That's not correct doctrine. I can't help being bitter. That's not correct doctrine. Amen. You, have a, you are free. You have been uh, paid. A great price has been paid for you to be free. And to, when I read that verse, that gr- brings great joy to my heart. Amen. But if you're, if you're a person who's looking for a reason to stay the way you are, verse like that really makes you upset. Amen. I don't believe that at all. Well, I didn't write it, you know. I mean, you know, there's no footnote in there is written by me. It is written by the Lord Jesus himself, right? It, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. So that tells me the character of God. His desire for you is that you're a free person. His desire for you is that you get to make a free choice every day. Amen. His desire for you is that you never say, I can't help it. I can't do it. Because if you're saying you can't, if you say that what you're saying is, I do not have a choice. Uh, and yet a great price was paid for you to, to have a choice. Amen. Uh, a price beyond measure. So, uh, you know, I, I want to live every day. Well, Lord, I have a choice. I can choose to do that. And, you know, and, and on occasion, you know, it's like once, well, I think last time when it was like maybe, maybe when I was 12 years old when I, when I sinned, did something wrong, right? Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe sometime since then. Uh, but I always go to the Lord and say, Lord, I chose to do that. When I, when I repent to the Lord, I, I always say, Lord, I chose to do that. I don't make any excuse like, well, you know, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. I, when I go to the Lord in, rep, in repentance, 
I always tell the Lord, Lord, I chose to do that. Because if I say anything else, he, uh, if I say, well, Lord, I, I couldn't help it. He, uh, he, all he'll say is Galatians 5.1. Lord, it wasn't my fault. Galatians 5.1. Lord, you don't know what they said to me. Galatians 5.1. You know, I mean, he won't even, you know, he won't even correct, you know, he wouldn't say anything. Just Galatians 5.1. You'd be like, go read it. Shut up. Go read it. Uh, because he, he's trying to get me to line up my life with the Word of God. Amen. And so uh, if you repent to the Lord, say, Lord, uh, you know, it was their fault. Galatians 5.1. Yeah, that's what, he, uh, you know, because he wrote this. Amen. He expects us to read these things. Uh, and so. Does this show the character of God? I think it shows a little bit of the character, how much he cares for you, how much he desires for you to be free. And if you can ever get a taste of that freedom that the Lord really has for you, you'll never go back. You'll never go back to just living your life and, and being, uh, reacting to all of your environment, uh, just reacting to everything that comes. You're happy today because nobody was unkind to you. You're not happy tomorrow because somebody said something mean about your shoes or whatever it is. Well, see, that's not, you're not free. That means you're a slave to everybody else's comments. You're a slave to, if you don't like my shoes, I'm having a bad day. I'm, you know, you don't like my shoes, that is not my problem. Amen? Uh, and so, I mean, whatever else about me that you don't like, that's just not my problem. Amen? Well, I don't like what you said. That's still not my problem. I'm free. Amen? Uh, and so, I like being free. Amen? I like being free to be happy. I like being free to, be, to not be a slave to my emotions, to not be a slave to your comments, not be a slave to... The, the situations around me, I like being free. Amen. It's a great place to be. Uh, and if you've never been there, just come visit it for a little while, you know, once or twice, and, and you'll never go back. Amen. So, so why did, uh, uh, why did uh, Christ set us free? So we can be free. That's, you know, that's just Captain Obvious statement right there, right? Uh, he set us free just so we could be free and not, no strings attached just so we can be free. Amen. Is that good news? See, I think it's wonderful news. Amen. Well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Father, that you make the, the sun to shine and the rain to come upon the just and the unjust, Father. Father, you are kind even to the unjust, even if they never know it, if they never appreciate it, Father, if they never give you and acknowledge, uh, give you honor for it, Father, and acknowledge that you are the source of their, of their protection, Father and the rain that comes from heaven. If they never acknowledge, Father, that you, that you are the one, you still provide the rain. Father, we thank you. We choose to worship you, Father. We choose to honor you, Father. Father, we thank you that you said in your word that, that we can bless the Lord, O oh my soul. But Father, as we bless you, Father, you bless us. As we worship you, Father, you bless us with your presence and with your, with your joy, Father, and your peace. Father, we thank you. We thank you for these things, Father. You alone are worthy. You alone, Father, are worthy for us to lift up our hands and to, to lift up our voices and to declare your goodness. We honor you, Father. We thank you, Father. Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? We appreciate his goodness. Amen. Is he worthy for us to praise him and to declare his goodness? You know, he's worthy of those things. 
you know, I never say that I'm deserving of anything, but the Lord is deserving of all things, amen? Because he's done the work for us, these th he's done the work for us, these things, for, uh, to provide these things for us, amen? Praise God. We're thankful for the Lord, amen? So. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6. We'll continue there today. We've been talking about, in this section of, of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts talking about worrying, amen? Uh, and um, he, he mentions the phrase, take no thought for, uh, for these things, amen? And all of these things are natural things, right? The clothes you wear, you know, the food that you're going to eat, uh, where you're going to live, uh, what you're going to drink. So all these are natural things. And, and he comes down to, uh, to verse 27, and he says, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic unto your stature? And so, uh, and I've got a little note there in my, in my Bible for this. Which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit unto his stature? We talked about, you know, this is a phrase that could either mean uh, making you taller, physically taller, or adding length of days to your life. Amen? Now, which of you, by worrying, can do these things? Uh, and, and here's the thing about worry. We're going we're gonna to talk about how to live a worry-free life. You have the right and the privilege to live a worry-free life all the days of your existence on the earth, amen, to never worry about a single thing. And so Jesus is saying, which of you can take thought or which of you, can, by being anxious or by worrying, can change your natural circumstances? And here's the thing is, uh, if you have some natural circumstance, so maybe, you're, uh, maybe um, you know, in this case, he's talking about being taller, uh, maybe uh, you're not as tall as you'd like to be, amen? Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe you would like to be taller, well, uh, so Jesus is saying, uh, in this case, you know, you're, you're shorter than you'd like to be. That's the natural circumstance that you're in. And that circumstance is there, amen? And a lot of it is due to the DNA, you know, and you can blame your, your mother and father on that, you know, if you're not as tall as you'd like to be. It's not my fault. You have to blame the DNA of your parents, amen? Uh, but Jesus is saying, you've got this natural circumstance, whatever that is. In this case, he used a specific example, but it could be anything, amen, that you're not eating like you should or that you'd like to, that you're not wearing the clothes that you'd like to, not living where you'd like to. Whatever the natural circumstance is, he's saying that, that uh, if you take a thought about that, if you start worrying about that or anxious about it, he said, does that change that natural circumstance? And so he's trying to make a case here that, look, you've got a circumstance that's occurring in your life. You can worry about it. doesn't change the circumstance. You cannot worry about it. Still doesn't change the circumstance. So your thoughts or lack of thoughts don't have anything to do with changing that circumstance. And that's what he's trying to get the point across is we think that our worrying is going to change our natural circumstances, but they don't change anything. Our, your worries do not change anything as far as changing your natural circumstance. But there is a, there is a, uh, a aspect of the Lord that has the ability to change your natural circumstances. And it's called faith. You know, many years ago, the, the Lord was teaching me about faith. And he said, one of the primary purposes of faith is for that very purpose, to change your natural circumstance. Are you unwell? You can apply faith to that, and you become well. So you've changed your natural circumstance to, uh, to affect uh, that circumstance by your faith. You've used your faith to change the natural circumstance. You don't have a job. You need a job. You can apply faith to that natural circumstance, and you can obtain a job. So that changes the natural circumstance. Amen? 
So you can change a natural circumstance, but a lot of times we use worry to try to change it. Nothing changes. Instead of using faith to change it, which does change it. So it seems like if we were intelligent human beings, we would want to use the thing that actually changes the circumstance. But of course, faith requires you to yield to the Lord, to the Lord yield to the Word of God, uh, speak the right things, amen. amen? But worry has no ability to change the natural circumstance. And the thing about it is, is how many realms has the Lord created that we know of, right? The, 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 we have the spirit realm. The Lord is a spirit, amen? The Bible says he is a spirit. So he resides in the spirit realm. We can't see the spirit realm, but we know it's there because we are spirit beings. And you, you have a sense that there's a spirit realm out there. Now, uh, natural scientists will call it the, the subconscious or, you know, a different dimension. They'll have all kinds of weird names for it, but it's called the spirit realm. The Bible calls it the spirit realm. So that's one of the realms that we, that we know about. The other realm that we are very familiar with is the natural realm, the things that we see, right? This natural world that we see. But then you have the, the soulish realm, which is in your thought life. And so a lot of times we try to take the soulish realm to use that to change the natural realm. Well, the soulish realm doesn't have any impact on the natural realm. It doesn't have the ability to change that natural realm. And yet we, try to, we think if we worry about it, that something will change. And yet your worrying about it doesn't change it. Your lack of worry about it also doesn't change it. It's only going to change either by this natural circumstance or by you applying faith to it. And so that should help us to get into the direction. Well, I want to be a person who changes my natural circumstances. I don't like seeing things that are not well. You know, people that are not doing well, your, your physical body not doing well, uh, your natural circumstances, your finances, or your, your need for a vehicle, whatever it is, not doing well. See, you can apply faith to those circumstances and they can change. You applying worry to those circumstances doesn't change anything. Uh, and it, in fact, it just, makes you, it just makes you a person who worries a lot. Amen? Uh, and so, so Jesus said, take no thought. What he's telling you is you're wasting your time. Amen? You can worry about it and, it, and it's still there. You can not worry about it, and it's still there. So it's, it's a waste of effort. And yet uh, people get anxious, get worried. They start wringing their hands. They get ulcers, right? They get, they get stressed. They get high blood pressure. You know, uh, your worry does have an impact on natural things, but it's pretty much only you. It affects your natural body, your, the health of your natural body. And a lot of doctors will tell you that a big, a big source of sickness and disease in our country is just simple worry. Is worrying about tomorrow. And Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Amen. He, he literally said those things, right? Take no thought for tomorrow. Uh, he said that in verse 34. Take, there, take therefore no thought. So how many thoughts should you take? None. None. So, so what, what realm do, do thoughts reside in? The soulless realm, right? The thought life. So you're not impacting the natural realm. Take no thought for tomorrow. So a lot of people are worried about tomorrow. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen uh, with, with the economy, what's going to happen with the interest rates, what's going to happen to my job, what's going to happen to my house payment, to my car payment, what's going to happen to these things. <clears throat> and, and so we take that thought. And worry is taking that thought and you thinking about that thing. And worry is just simply going over and over again some thought. Amen? It's not really that hard to understand. It's, uh, <clears throat> and, you know, it doesn't mean that when you see something, you go, well, Lord, you know, that, that's not right. You know, I, uh, I'm concerned for that person. You know, I would like that situation to be resolved. That's not worry. That's just observing things and, and caring that, that people are well, caring that you're well. You know, that's not worry. Worry is when that's all you think about. You go to bed, you're thinking about it. You wake up in the middle of the night, you're thinking about it. You wake up in the morning, what's your first thought? It's that thing. 
So you're worrying about it. Amen. You ever woke up in the middle of the night thinking about a thing, a situation, a person, an event? Well, that's called worry. Uh, and and if, that's, if that's where you're at, then, then you're, you're taking thought. You've taken that thought. You've held on to that thought. You won't let go of that thought. You're just going over and over again. What, what's going to happen if they don't change? What's going to happen to this? You know, um, and we start making things up. You know, uh, Proverbs chapter 6 talks about uh, uh, one of the things that the Lord, uh, in fact, we, we just turn over there real quick, turn over there to Proverbs chapter 6. That's uh, a good, uh, uh, it's a good verse there. Uh, it may not uh, cause you to shout for the Lord when you first read it, but uh, uh, we'll read it and see, see if it helps us out here. It does help us, amen? It says, these six things, this is Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, these six things that the Lord hate. That's an interesting statement. You know, uh, I've heard many people say uh, Christians should remove the word hate out of the vocabulary. That is not scriptural. You should have a whole list of things you hate. None of them should be a person, amen? amen. But there are plenty of things that the Lord hates. Amen. He says right there, these six things. So there are at least six things the Lord hates. Amen. There's more than that because he talks about over in Malachi that he hates divorce and he hates sin. There's a lot of things the Lord hates. Uh, amen. And so if he hates him, what should you do about him? Hate. You know, one, one service we kind of got stuck on this, uh, not stuck on it, but we got down this road and we talked a whole service about things you ought to hate. We had some visitors there that never came back. You know, I thought, well... <laughs> You know, we went to a church service, all they talked about is things you ought to hate, right? And so, because, you know, people think, well, church, you ought to find out things you love. Well, that's fine, right? But there's also some things you should hate. Uh, did I write this? I didn't write this, so if it's in here, we should do these things, amen? So if the Lord hates them, what should you do about them? You ought to hate them too, amen? Uh, not, nothing in there uh, is talking about, uh, is a person, it's things that people do, amen? Uh, these things, things the Lord hates, seven things are an abomination unto him. That's a strong word, an abomination, Amen? He said, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. You know, I've talked a lot about, about you know, things that rile me up sometimes, especially as a pastor, is when I see people harm an innocent person. Well, why? Because the Lord hates it. The Lord hates it when people shed innocent blood. Someone is not doing anything wrong. You know, I had, uh, one, we had uh, some people, uh, we were just worshiping one time in, in praise and worship, and, and some, uh, one of the people started worshiping the Lord in other tongues. You know, is that perfectly fine? It's fine, right? You can sing in other tongues. You can sing, sing in the natural realm, sing in other tongues. Amen? Uh, well, well, someone calls me up and said, hey, they were speaking in tongues and nobody was interpreting. They shouldn't be doing that. It's like they're worshiping the Lord. Amen? None of your business. And, and man, I got riled up. You know, I had to really constrain myself just not to blast them out of the water. You know, you're stupidest thing I've ever heard. You're saying those things. You're so unkind. The person's not hurting nobody. They're worshiping the Lord. Mind your own business. That's what you kind of want to say sometimes, right? Uh, you, but you, you, know, you put your little nice hat on. And, uh, because most people, they're going to take care of themselves anyway, right? It's, it's me telling them how stupid they are doesn't always help them. Amen? Uh, and so, but it's an abomination. Hands that shed innocent blood. You call me up and, and, and start gossiping about somebody else in the church, you and I are not going to be good friends. Amen? Uh, talking about, especially someone who hasn't done anything wrong. Well, do you see that shirt they wore? I mean, it was pink. I mean, what's wrong with that, you know? They should be wearing pink. Don't they know, you know, pink is of the devil? I mean, they just make up stuff, right? Uh, and, and uh, you know, you, you, you think it's funny, but people are that dumb, amen? Just get riled about any, anything, amen? Uh, well, the hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. That's one of the things that the Lord hates, right? A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that, that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, uh, and, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. How many church people sow discord in the church? Uh 
The Lord says that's an abomination. When you go out and whisper, you know, that's sowing discord, right? Uh, that's an abomination. How many church members are doing an abominable things to the Lord? Amen? Now, I'm just meddling right now. You know, this is not really our, our core message right here, but that's a lot of meddling right there, right? Uh, the, in, in fact, if you look at my Bible, it's hard to see, but if you look, at my, I've got that box. I've got that marked out, right? These six things the Lord hates. I've got them marked in my Bible. If the Lord hates them, I'm going to be really careful about ever getting involved in these things. Amen? But one of the things he says here is a heart that deviseth wicked imagination. That word deviseth there is to make or to manufacture manufacture wicked imaginations. Well, the word wicked there, you know, we thought, oh, that's, that's terrible. That's some deep, dark sin. Wicked, the primary definition of wicked is twisted, right? Twisted is not the way it's supposed to be. It's just twisted, amen? And if it's twisted, it's not of any value. Uh, and so it doesn't have to be some evil uh, in and of itself. Evil could just be twisted. Well, they just think they're all that, you know. Uh, I remember one time uh, we, uh, the, the pastor had asked me to do a Sunday mo- or Saturday morning service just about uh, finances, you know, help people with finances, tell them how things work, interest rates and credit cards and, you know, loans and different things. And, and so I put together a, a document uh, that just went through, here's how these things work, right? Uh, and the Lord's been kind to me, giving me some wisdom about those things. I'm not a uh, tax expert or, or, a, um, or an investing expert, but I just know a little bit about how finances work. And if you know a little bit about how finances work, it can be of value to you. So I put it all together. We got there. We're ready to start the, the, uh, uh, the meeting uh, and, and just going to train the people at the church about how these things work. And, and I noticed in, in, my, uh, in my document there was a typo. Well, I don't like having typos in my document, right? Some misspelled words, you know. And so I started looking like, oh, you know, I think I can, maybe i got time to go home and fix it and print it. Because, you know, back then, you know, you had to go home and, and, and go to the computer, right? Now you've got it on, you know, everywhere you go, you've got the computer. But I didn't have that back then, right? This was back in the dark ages where we barely had running water. And so, uh, so I'm thinking, well, maybe i got, maybe got time to go home and fix it. Because, you know, if, if there's a typo, it's wrong. Amen? And I don't like things to be wrong. Uh, and, and so... Uh, one of the other people in church said, well, you're just full of pride. Being prideful, you know, wanting to get rid of that typo. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, I mean, I'm not, there's no pride. I just wanted to be right. What's wrong with it being right? I mean, anything wrong with being right? I think it's okay for things to be right. And I'm not thinking, well, I gotta, if, if I have the typo, people are going to think that, that, you know, I'm not very good. And so, you know, I need to fix it so people don't, I could care less what you think. If it's a typo in it, I'm going to fix it. Amen. And so he, he devised, manufactured a thought about me that didn't, didn't even exist. Yeah. There was no thought in my heart about, about pride, but he completely accused me when we get to chapter 7, we're talking about judging, you know, judging. Yeah, but that's what he did. He judged me, and he, and he manufactured a thought that didn't exist about me. Well, that's a wicked imagination, yeah. right? Because there was nothing. He twisted my intention and desire for it to be right into being prideful. Well, he's not the judge of the earth. He didn't know it was in my heart. I just like things to be right, amen? And so that happens all the time. How many times have you manufactured a thought that didn't even, didn't even exist? Just made it up, right? And so you, know, you ever been to a manufacturing plant? Uh, you go to a manufacturing plant, they go these production lines, right? You bring in raw materials on this side, and, and a miracle happens, and you get this thing on the other end, amen? Uh, and we do that all the time with, with a thought life, right? A circumstance comes in, Amen. We, we manufacture a thought about that circumstance, and out comes this worry. And we do that all the time. We manufacture thoughts yeah. that, didn't, that didn't happen. Amen. And a lot of times, 
it, uh, we, we will, it doesn't matter what it is. People that are prone to worry, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is, they're going to manufacture a thought about that. I mean, if everything's perfect, you know, they'll be like, yeah, it probably won't last. Yeah, it won't, it won't last. I mean, so it doesn't have to be a bad circumstance, even if it's a good circumstance. People are worried. Though. Yeah, it's, it, uh, uh, if someone gives you something, yeah, they probably want something in return. Well, maybe they just want to bless you. No, 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 they don't really want to bless me. They, 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 they got something else going on. Amen. I just don't know what it is yet. Uh, you're, you're feeling great, yeah, but it, uh, uh, it won't last. You know, first time it rains, I'll start feeling bad. Uh, that's, that's, that's wicked imaginations, devising or manufacturing twisted thoughts. Uh, anybody ever done that? We don't need a show of hands, but anybody ever, anybody ever manufactured a thought? I know they're talking about me. You manufactured that thought. You don't even know. How do you know they're talking about me? I just know. You manufactured that thought. It didn't exist. You manufactured it, right? You are, you are a, a, a manufacturer of thoughts. Amen? <clears throat> well, they're against me. How do you know? Well, I just know. No, you don't know. You manufactured that thought. And, and see, if we can learn to not manufacture thoughts, well, what are they doing? I don't know. Just, you know, just leave it alone. Well, are they talking about me? I don't know. Well, well, don't you care? No, I'm not taking a thought about that. Amen? I'm not going to manufacture a thought about something I don't even know about. And yet we do that all the time. We manufacture thoughts that don't even exist. Well, that's worry. You will worry about that. The things that don't even matter, you'll worry about it. Uh, amen? And so uh, is it possible that we can live a life that's worry-free? <clears throat> and why does it matter? Why does it matter that I worry? Well, you know, we, we know just in general it's not good to worry because uh, it will cause physical ailments in your life. Uh, and if you just stop worrying, those, they'll just dissolve, right? Those, a lot of times. But, but what's, what's the real issue with worrying? Well, first of all, it's a lack of faith. Remember we read last week that whatever's not of faith, Romans Roman chapter 8, whatever's not of faith is what? Sin, so, you know, I mean, uh, worry is, is a reflection of sin in your life, right? It is actual sin in your life. But again, that's not really the, the primary issue with that. Uh, you know, I mean, of course, sin, sin is an issue, but, you know, the Lord didn't come to, the Lord, I, I know this is going to sound like heresy, the Lord didn't come to the earth to remove sin from our lives. Amen? That was not the primary intent of him coming to the earth. Uh, in fact, just uh, in case you don't believe me, let's go read what the Word says. Turn to Galatians chapter 3, and we'll see why he came to the earth. <clears throat> I love these two verses because uh, I remember one, one minister, they slammed on a, you know, if you want to be really em, em, emphatic, you slam on the pulpit, right? You've got to do these things. Preach hard against sin. I'm like, you know, I mean, doesn't that preach good? Preach hard against sin. I've got to preach hard against sin. That's a waste of time, Amen. Preach hard against sin, because how many sins are there? You know, however many sins, let's just say there's a million sins today. You know, tomorrow there's going to be a million and one, because people uh, will always try to find more creative ways to sin, amen? So you have to spend all your time talking about sin. Well, what the Bible says right here in uh, Galatians chapter 3, it says, it says in verse 13, Christ hath, hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, so we can no longer have sin. Is that what it says? No, it says being made a curse for us, what is written, curses everyone that's hanging on the tree, so that we can be free from sin. No, that's, what does it say in verse 14? Why did he redeem us from the curse of the law? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Well, we're the Gentiles. He redeemed us uh, uh, for this reason through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The whole end game of redemption was to get the Spirit of God in you. Sin was a necessary thing that he had to deal with to do that, 
But that's not the main goal. The main goal was to get the Spirit of God on the inside of you so that you can have the thoughts that you want to have and, and not be controlled by your thought life. His goal was to get the Spirit of God in you so that you can live a life of freedom. Remember we read in Galatians 5, right, that it was for freedom that Christ set us free? He redeemed you so you can be free to receive the Spirit of God, not so you can have sin out of your life. That, now, he had to take care of sin. The blood of Jesus took care of the sin, but that was only a step to the goal. That was only a, a, a necessary part of the goal to get you free from, from everything, to get you the Spirit of God on the inside of you. In fact, uh, turn over to Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> he says uh, in verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, that's a really great verse, right? Because it doesn't say, this I say, then quit sinning and, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if he says to walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, in other words, you won't sin, then what should our emphasis be on in the church? Here's a list of sins and don't do these. No, just because you stop doing these list of sins doesn't mean you're walking in the spirit. Uh, but if you do walk in the spirit, then you will no longer sin. If you could walk in the spirit 100%, you'd be 100% free from sin because you would never, ever do anything that violates the plan and will of God for your life if you walk perfectly in the Spirit. So it seems to me like the church ought to focus more on here's how to walk in the Spirit. Here's how to sense the Spirit of God. Here's how to know when the Spirit of God is leading you to do something or not do something, and that will result in you living a life free from sin. That would be a lot better emphasis to me than preaching hard against, you know, what's the list of sins? Well, worry's a sin, right? Stop worrying. Stop, you know, stop sinning. Stop, you know, lying. Stop cheating. Stop do I mean, we, we'd spend forever giving lists of sins. And, and there's all kinds of lists of sins, especially in the New Testament. All kinds of adultery and fornications, all kinds of uh, areas in the Word of God where there's lists of sins. They're not all inclusive, but they're, they're, they're just kind of an aside. Here's some things. In case you don't know what's sin in, here's some, here's some uh, ideas. And it shouldn't be, a, oh, yeah, I should do that one. That's not the why, the why they're in there. They're just there to, hey, in case you didn't know, this is a sin, this is a sin. Uh, but the emphasis should be on here's how to walk in the Spirit. You know, if you walk perfectly in the Spirit, you would never worry. So, so, so the, the reason why the Lord doesn't want us to worry is because if we're, if we're worrying, we are not applying faith to anything in our life. And if we're not applying faith in, 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 in any area of your life, then we're of no value to the Lord. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we don't love Him. It just means that he needs us to be vessels that he can use to change the world. Amen? Primarily to get the world into heaven, but also to show the love of God by changing the world through prayer and faith. Amen? We lay hands on the sick, they recover. That shows the goodness of God. But if we're worrying about these things, then we're not changing the circumstances either in our life or the lives around people. So we're not able to show the love of God to the people around us. All we can show is that, well, God probably is not going to come through. Uh, and, and so... We're not really uh, available and valuable to the Lord to be used on this earth to help the earth obtain heaven. If we're in worry, amen? If we're worrying about our kids, or worrying about the economy, or worrying about anything, you know, we should be able to say, hey, the economy is going uh, in the tank. Let's see how the Lord provides for us. Uh, and I'm just going to show you the Lord's going to provide for me, so uh, it doesn't matter what the economy is, the Lord will provide. And see, then the world can go, oh, how come you're not worried about it? Well, why should I worry? If the Lord said he'd provide for me, he didn't say he would provide for me as long as the economy is doing well. Amen? You know, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus unless the economy is really bad. Does it say that? 
No, he said, but my God shall supply all my need, regardless of the, the situation in the economy. So my faith should be, well, Lord, the economy looks bad, but you said over here that you'd provide all my need. So your words override the circumstances. And if I live in faith, then I can allow his word to override my circumstances, and then I can live worry-free. Because if, if the Lord really does provide for us, what is there ever to worry about? If we really believe the Lord is going to provide for us, why would we ever worry or take thought about the circumstances or situations? Do we really believe these things? Well, we say we do, but then our words, yeah, but it probably won't last. Then our words negate his word, amen? And if our words negate his word, his word is effectively of no use to us. They're still there. Philippians 4.19 is still there, amen? But if we, if we take thought and override his words with our words, then, then uh, we're... We, we've nullified the value of his word. Amen? Now, it, it's, uh, Jesus said, take no thought, but what happens when we take the thought, then that thought changes our words. Amen? And it's not that, you know, it's not that you have to have never a thought of, hey, hey, uh, you reckon the Lord's going to come through? You know, it's not just about that. It's when you take that, when you take that thought and go, yeah, yeah he's probably not going to come through. Just having a, a thought kind of wander through your mind on occasion doesn't mean that you're worrying about it, amen? It's when it's there today, there tomorrow, there at night, there in the morning. Uh, it's when you've taken that thought, amen? So thoughts can come, but if you don't take it, then it's just going to keep on going, amen? Uh, and so it's really up to you what you're going to do uh, about that particular thought. And if Jesus said take no thought, then does that mean that you have the capacity to take, to take no thought? So the root issue is your thought life. The root issue is, are you manufacturing thoughts? The root issue is, are you producing thoughts that, that don't, a lot of times don't even line up with reality? You know, if you're, if you're perfectly healthy, yeah, it probably won't last. Well, you just made that up. Why won't it last? Why couldn't it last? Why shouldn't it last? It should last. If you're feeling well, you should last, amen? You should ride that on out to the end of, end of your time on the earth. Now, and so let's, let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 26. We'll start there with, with a verse here. So the realm, the realm that is the issue in worrying is not the spirit realm. There's no worry in the spirit realm, amen? Not the natural realm. The natural realm doesn't have worry. The natural realm is just the natural realm. Uh, the, the realm that is the issue is your thought life. Uh, and, and your thought life is the biggest failing of the church as a whole. Not your spirit life, not your natural life. It's your thought life because, uh, there, uh, in fact, I think was it John Osteen who said that uh, no sin ever occurs without a thought prior to that sin. That's really, you've got to think about that one for a while, right? No evil deed has ever occurred prior to a thought. Uh, and so somebody has a thought, and then they, they say words that are untrue, that are, that are words of worry. Uh, a thought comes, and then somebody does some terrible thing. Amen? Uh, well, here we are in Isaiah chapter 26. This is, of course, the Old Covenant. But it says here in verse 3, it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So, do we want perfect peace? Peace is completely, complete freedom from any worry. Uh, the, the definition I like about peace is, peace, is, uh, uh, peace is freedom from the ravages of war. Uh, you are free from the ravages of war. So, uh, what, what uh, warfare is going on in your mind? What are, you thought, what are you thinking about? See, that's a war, amen? In fact, uh, Peter says that there's a war against our souls. These things war against our souls, not against our spirit. People like to talk about spiritual warfare. But the primary battlefield of the, of the church and the Christian is your thought life. It's not just spirit life, because the devil's a defeated foe. 
The primary issue is in your thought life. Amen? Uh, it wars against your soul, against your thought life. So, so uh, Isaiah promises, uh, this is a good promise, right? Do we want to remain in perfect peace? Well, we do, right? Uh, is that the end of the verse? No. So when we read this verse, you know, oh, yeah, Lord, I want to be in perfect peace. Well, then uh, when we read the verse, we have to see, uh, are there any responsibilities on my part to obtain perfect peace? And see, when you read the Word of God, you should always be asking yourself, Lord, what is my responsibility in this? Because we always want everybody to be sovereign, right? Lord, you just give me perfect peace because you're sovereign. You just do it. Just give me perfect peace. Nothing, you know, I have nothing to do about it. Well, that's not the way the Word of God is written. You should read the Word of God. Okay, Lord, I get, I get perfect peace, so that's a great promise. What do I have to do to obtain that? And he gives it, in this case, there's two things, amen? Uh, he says, number one, whose mind is stayed on thee, and number two is because he trusts in thee. So who's responsible for keeping our mind stayed on him? Who's responsible for trusting in him? So if you don't do those things, can you live in perfect peace? No. He, he, he's, it's not that, he does, it's not that he's going to punish you with, with, with no peace if you don't do these things. He's unable to because this is the covenant he made with us. I will give you perfect peace. Here's the two things you've got to do. Keep your mind stayed on me and trust in me. Well, Lord, I, I, I don't want to do that. I, I can't help you. You've got to do, do these things. Well, Lord, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. I, I can't help you. Is he being unkind and not giving us perfect peace if we don't do what his word says? We, so we want, we want God to move only in a sovereign way where I'm not responsible. And, you know, a lot of times uh, humanity is always trying to do everything in our power to remove any responsibility at all from my life. I am not, it is not my fault that I am this way. You are the way you are 100% because of you. Good or bad. I mean, if you're the most wonderful person, it's because of you. If you're not the most wonderful person, we won't make a list, but if you're not the most wonderful person, it's still 100% on you. Amen? So if you, I, I can't help worry. That's on you. It's not your circumstances. Amen? Because you can bring any circumstance into the manufacturing plant and you can manufacture a thought about that circumstance. Uh, and you produce a thought. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, they're probably against me. It's probably not going to last. Uh, it's going to rain tomorrow and ruin everything. Amen? Uh, it's, you, will, you will manufacture a thought. So, so, number one, our first responsibility is our mind is stayed on him. You know, you, you can choose what you think. You can't choose what you think about. You can 100% choose what you think about. Amen? Uh, I mean, if I just say pink elephant, what would you just think about? Pink elephant, right? I mean, in, in where we used to live, there used to be a store. It was called the home of the big pink elephant. Anybody ever seen it? Uh, it's, I mean, it's like a 12-foot-tall pink elephant. Uh, we had no idea what it meant about anything. It's like, but everybody knew it's at the pink elephant. Oh, I know where that's at, right? Everybody, everybody knew where the pink elephant was, right? You, you ever thought about a pink elephant before just five seconds ago? No, but now it's everybody, oh, pink elephant. What's it look like? Well, it's pink, right? And, and it's really big. Uh, and so, so you just chose to think on that, amen? So he said, uh, whose mind is stayed on thee? So uh, one, of the, one of the great uh, methods of overcoming worry is to start meditating on, on, the, on the Word. Uh, really, uh, mind stayed on Him, but just start meditating on the Word. The Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. Well, that's a good verse to meditate on, right? To think about, right? To keep your mind stayed on that. The Lord is good. If the Lord's good, then He would take care of this. Uh, if His mercy endures forever, even if I'm at fault, His mercy would cover that. See, that, that, that's keeping your mind stayed on Him. 
And when that thought comes, you, whatever it is about disaster, about I'm not going to make it, or the you know, kids aren't going to make it, or the economy is not going to make it, yeah, but Lord, you're good, and your mercy endures forever. Yeah, but you said in your word, Lord, uh, remember what, uh, when Jesus was in the wilderness, everything the devil brought to him, what was the response of Jesus? It is written. It is written. It is written. So no matter what thoughts the devil brings to your mind, because the devil can bring thoughts to your mind, no matter what thoughts he brings, you respond with, yeah, but the word says this. So that's you keeping your mind stayed on him. And uh, he said, because he trusts in him. Do you really trust the Lord is able to do these things? Yes. Do you really trust that he's able to provide for you? That he's able to, to redeem you and able to, to deliver you and able to heal you? Do you really trust that? Do you trust in him? See, if you trust in him, then, then there's just nothing to worry about. You remember when Jesus was on, when went to the other side? Let's go to the other side. Great storm arose. Where was Jesus? Asleep in the hinder part of the ship. Amen. Well, why? Well, he said we're going to the other side. So what was his expectation? Going to the other side. Well, the circumstances changed. When they started out, there wasn't a great storm. Nobody launches in a great storm, right? They launch when it's at peace, launch when the, the, the water's at ease. And then the storm came. You know, a lot of times the devil will line things up, not when they start, because if they start that way, you might, well, maybe I'll go tomorrow. No, you start out on the path of, of the destiny the Lord has you to go on, and then the devil will bring the storms into your life, try to get you to change course. Worry, the purpose of worry is to get you to change course. Change, you see, uh, the, if they had worried about it, they'd have gone back to the shore. But Jesus said, we're going to the other side. So when Jesus said that, what was his, uh, 100% of his expectation? We're going to the other side. See, circumstances had nothing to do with the plan and will of God for Jesus' life. If he's going to the other side, what's he doing? Going to the other side. What about the storm? We said we're going to the other side. If we're going to the other side, the storm is irrelevant. It said that the, the ship was now filled with water. Was Jesus worried about it? No, the, the earth would have had to stop spinning. And even if it did, he was going to the other side. Once, it, once the word of God declared what was going to happen, Jesus was willing to see it all the way through. And, and, and if they hadn't come to him, he would have never done anything about the storm because the storm had no relevance to him. He only got rid of the storm because uh, he had mercy on them, right? Uh, that he provided mercy to us. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. The mercy was, the, the, the storm was removed for their benefit, not for his benefit. He was going to the other side. If, if the boat had filled up with water, you know, boats that fill up with water tend to sink. And yet they hadn't sunk. Uh, and of course, what was their question? Master what? Cares thou not that we perish? You think about asking the Lord that. Like, have you ever met the Lord? You apparently have never met him. Don't you care we're going to die? And, I mean, what they think Jesus would say, no, I don't care. Is that the response they expect? I mean, no, I don't care. Or, uh, really, I didn't even know that was going on. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I, I was uh, distracted. No, Jesus had no thought. He took no thought. Yeah, the storm's coming. We're going to sink you. He never took that thought. That thought tried to come. It now came to all the, all the disciples. They took that thought, oh yeah, we're all going to die. And, Je and not only are we going to die, he doesn't care that we're going to die. He manufactured that thought that Jesus doesn't care. See, uh, they, they, they changed and, and added judgment against the Lord's desire. And they didn't even ask his desire. They didn't, they, if they knew him, they would have known his desire was, I already told you my desire, we're going to the other side. See, but they took another thought and they manufactured a twisted thought that was in, in direct opposition to what the Lord had said. Well, we do that all the time. We manufacture a thought that, that's in direct conflict with what the Word of God promises. 
Now, and then we take that thought and we override what the Word of God says. Well, I know it says that, but have you seen the storm? You haven't seen the storm? It's a great storm. The Bible called it a great storm. You know, if it was just an average-sized storm, the disciples were like, ah, we're fishermen, yeah, no problem, we got this, right? Until it became a great storm, and they're like, eh, I don't, you, you don't, I don't know what to do about this. You know, you know what to do? I don't know what to do about it. It's more than I've ever done, more than I've ever overcome. So uh, we must not be able to make it. So they manufactured that thought. They could have gone back, yeah, but the Lord said we're going to the other side. And they should have, they should have uh, kept their mind stayed on what he said. Yeah, but he said we're going to the other side. If we're going to the other side, then, then this is irrelevant. The storm is irrelevant. And they could have gone to the other side without doing a single thing about the storm. You know, we get, we get so, even as Christians oftentimes, we get so worried about things. And we think, well, I've got to change the circumstance for me to be okay. And Jesus said, no, the circumstances are irrelevant. You can be okay regardless of the circumstance. We think that if I can just get the circumstances to change, then I won't worry. Well, that, that's just, uh, that, that's just uh, slapping lipstick on a pig. It, you, you think that that's changing your heart, but that's you change anything. Uh, because the only way you can live at peace is if the circumstances line up with your, uh, what the Word of God says. And, and that's not necessary. If the Word of God is clear that He will provide all you need according to the riches of glory by Christ Jesus, then the circumstances are irrelevant. The circumstances have no, no impact on Jesus. He was asleep. He took no thought. Oh, it's a big storm. I mean, you can look at the storm and go, yeah, it's a big storm. You know, it's not that you don't have to, uh, well, I don't, I don't see a big storm. You don't have to deny reality. There's no big storm. There is a big storm. And she goes, wow, you know, big storm. So what? What's that got to do with anything? Now, if the Lord, see, uh, you, if you can get to where you're not worried about it, then you, can, then you can know in your heart, Lord, do you want me to do something about the circumstance or not? It's not that you never do anything about the circumstance. It's you're not motivated by fear. Uh, well, we better, we better get rid of the storm or we're going to sink. But he said you're going to the other side, so there's no way you could sink. So maybe you get rid of the storm, maybe you don't. It, it, it depends on what the Lord wants you to do in that moment. See, then you operate by faith. You operate by the will and plan of God as opposed to being uh, operating by what you observe in the natural realm. Well, if there's a storm, we've got to get rid of it. That's not true. Jesus was fine. He was perfectly fine with a storm just raging, a great storm raging, no impact on his life. Had no, nothing to do with, with how he felt or whether he could, I, I, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. That's what I love. Jesus, I sleep anywhere. Jesus, I, you know, it matter. Great storm, yeah, no problem. No storm, I can sleep. Amen? Uh, and, and so, and I've learned that from, you know, me personally, I can sleep anywhere. I can sleep on a stump. doesn't matter. You know, hard bed, soft bed, doesn't matter. I mean, hot, cold, I don't care. I'll sleep. If I'm tired, I'll go to sleep. Amen? Uh, and uh, I learned that over many years ago uh, by faith. So, so we've got two responsibilities. If, if we want to live in perfect peace, which is a promise, amen? Uh, so it's not just peace, it's perfect peace, amen? That's pretty good peace. Then we've got two responsibilities. What we think has to, has to line up with Him. Our mind is stayed on Him. So when that thought comes, hey, that great storm, you're not going to make it, you change the thought, oh yeah, but he said we're going to go to the other side. So I'm going to stay on that. I'm going to stay on we're going to the other side. I'm not going to stay on the great storm. See, because then you're focused on, on we're going to the other side. Jesus may say, now you go speak to the storm and command it to stop. Okay, Lord, I can do that. As opposed to, we better get rid of the storm or we're not going to make it. See, that, that's, you, you're thinking that's faith. And I see a lot of Christians who, who say things that sound like faith, but their motivation is worry. If I don't fix this, changes, I'm not going to survive. That's, you know, that's not got anything to do with anything. 
I will be fine regardless if the storm is there or if the storm is not there. And, and uh, if the storm is, is a mountain, right? Jesus said, whoever shall sand at the mountain, be thou removed. Well, then maybe I need to go speak to the mountain. But I'm not going to do it by fear. I'm not going to be motivated by fear. Because being motivated by fear, just because you use the name of Jesus, doesn't mean that you're operating in faith. It could mean that you're operating in fear. So the, fir- the first thing you've got to do before you ever say the name of Jesus is, uh, Lord, until my mind is stayed on you, I'm not changing anything. I'm not speaking to any storm. I'm not, I'm not speaking to any circumstance. I'm going to stay exactly where I am, not change a single thing uh, until, until my mind is perfectly stayed on you. Then I can hear you if you tell me to speak to the storm. Because you may say, don't do anything about the storm. And that's fine. Amen. So if, if you're one of these knee-jerk Christians that always speak into everything in the name of Jesus, uh, you see, the Bible says to not use the name of the Lord in vain. Uh, in a purpose where it's of no value. And if you're being motivated by fear, being motivated by worry because your mind is not stayed on him, your mind is stayed on the circumstance, stayed, right? So where is your, what, what is the only thing you're thinking about? Where, whatever you're thinking about is where your mind is stayed upon. So if you just think about the word all the time, think about what he promised, because he said, I'll give you perfect peace, but your mind, uh, number one, your mind is going to stay on me, and number two, you've got to trust in me. So if you're trusting in him, you may speak of the storm, you may not. Jesus was trusting in him. He had no intention of speaking of the storm. Uh, but f- by mercy, he did for their benefit because they were beyond measure. They'd gone past that. And so sometimes the Lord will have you do things, not even for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. Use faith to change the circumstance for the benefit of others. Because he was fine. He, he had no need to change the circumstance for his purpose. He was perfectly fine staying uh, the, the whole course. Amen. Uh, and so uh, uh, we're about out of time today. We've got some other verses to go through. I'm going to read uh, this verse uh, 3 here in a couple of different translations. Uh, Isaiah 26.3 in the Amplified uh, says, You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you, because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. So he will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace. Wouldn't that be nice to live in constant peace? Just always at peace, never worrying. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, is this true? Could you live this way? I mean, if it's in there, you can live that way. And look, I've, I've read a lot of verses, and I've said to the Lord, Lord, I am so far from that verse. I've said those words many times. Lord, I'm so, I, I see that promise. I am so far from that promise. Lord, how are we going to get there? How am I going to get my life changed where I can live this verse, where I can say, I live in perfect peace? Perfect peace, right? Uh, uh, and perfect and constant peace. Wouldn't it be nice to live that way? No matter what comes, it, it's just a thing, right? It just, it's just a thing. Uh, and so uh, one translation says, an anchored character you will keep safe. Safe because it trusts in you. An anchored character. Wouldn't it be nice to have an anchored character? Instead of one just flying everywhere, you know, every wind that comes, you're over there. Next wind comes, you're flying over there. Next wind, you're, you're flying over there. Anchored, right? Uh, we, we, we used to have a trampoline in our backyard. And if a big windstorm come, you would see that thing just lift up like, a, like an airplane. And then it would shift, you know. It never did fly anywhere, but it would lift up like it had, like it was an airplane or a helicopter. And it would start moving now, until we anchored it. And we, we lived close to railroad tracks, so you'd walk down the railroad tracks, find all these giant iron spikes. And those are perfect for holding down a, uh, a giant trampoline, amen? Uh, and so they anchored, it was an anchored character. It was an anchored trampoline. It never, it stopped flying. 
Uh, and so an anchored character, you will keep safe. So my anchor is in the Lord. I, when I think, when I go back to, it never changes. So that's my anchor. The word of God says that, that I'm going to the other side. So that's my anchor. If that's, if that's what it says, then that's what I'm going to believe. Uh, and then I can stay in perfect peace. And then, then I may speak to the storm. I may not. So, so you've got to judge in your own heart. Are you a Christian who's all the time uh, shandai, shandai, or speaking in tongues or, or, um, or, or using the name of Jesus for every single thing? I, I command all the lights to be green in Jesus' name. Well, that's selfish for all the other people on the other side of the road, right, that uh, want the light to be green on their side. Now, uh, uh, and so, you know, sometimes we get selfish in our, in our name of Jesus, amen? Uh, and so uh, what, what, uh, what's it matter if the light turns red for just a second? It's like, oh, my life is over, right? Uh, and, of course, you know, if that's your, if that's your thoughts, then you're, you're stuck here in Dayton because there are a thousand red lights here in Dayton, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but I, I like Isaiah 26.3. It's a great promise. Keep him in perfect peace. So if it's there, then Lord, I can live that way. Even if I'm not living that way, I will start using my, my words and say, Lord, that's a promise. I can live this way. I will live this way. Uh, and then, then when I do that, I'm taking a step towards the faith of that, that verse. See, if you, if you just look at that verse and go, nobody can live that way, then the verse remains dead to you. It remains of no value to you. You've got to use your, use your faith and say, Lord, even if I'm living that way, you promised me that I could, so I will. And then he'll start showing you, okay, well, then here's why. Here's why you're not living that way. Your mind is instead on me. Your mind is on every circumstance that ever comes along. And no matter what the circumstance is, you take that thought, and you go over and over in your mind, yeah, I'm not going to make it. Yeah, it's, gonna, it's not going to last. It's, I'm going to be sick. Or, this, you take that thought, and, and you forget what I said. And you need to be anchored to what I said. If you're anchored to what he says, then these circumstances go, wow, look at that. Uh, the boat's filling up with water. Someone should do something, maybe. Uh, wow, look at that. You know, big storm, tornado's coming. Wow, uh, that's amazing. Look at that. And you can, you can observe those things, but it doesn't change your life. Uh, and, and so I'm going to stay with him. My mind has stayed on him. It's anchored on him and not uh, being moved by the things I observe in this natural realm. Because it, your, it's your thought life, but it's being affected by the things you observe. Uh, and so uh, I want to live in perfect peace, don't you? So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of scripture. We're, we're surely not going to go through all of them, but we'll go through other ones, uh, especially if you're not a person who's living in perfect peace. Then we need to find out, you know, what's a roadmap for how do I get there? Amen? What, what's, how do I go from where I am to that place? And then you have to decide, I want to make that journey. I want to get there. Because if you go, I, I'll never get there. Well, then, then all these words are of no value to you. Just really, just rip them out of your Bible because they're of no value to you anyway, right? Uh, and so... Uh, I, well, I would encourage you, don't do that, right? Uh, that's not really blasphemy, but, it, but uh, now you're stuck, because now if you don't know what the Word says, then you're really stuck, amen? Uh, so now your, your thought life are anchored on the great storm, which is no anchor at all. Uh, and so uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for His opportunity to, for His Word today. So Father, we thank You for Your Word. And Father, we said that, that if we can, uh, that, that we, You would keep us in perfect peace. And so that's a promise, Father. And the promise uh, is predicated on us fulfilling our responsibilities by uh, keeping our thoughts stayed on you and trusting in you. And so, Father, we choose to do that. We ask you, Father, if there are areas in our life where we are really not uh, keeping our thoughts stayed on you or we are really not trusting in you, Father, then show us those areas of our life. And we will change, Father. We will first repent for not keeping our minds stayed on you. We, we will repent, Father, for not 
trusting in you. And we will change, Father. And, and we will make the effort to do these things so that, Father, the end result is we can live in perfect peace. Father, perfect and continual peace. And so we thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, is that a good promise that you can stay in perfect and continual peace? I think that's a pretty good promise. Amen. Uh, just think of what your life would be like if you could stay in perfect and continual peace. Just never upset about anything. Never worried about anything, right? Never concerned about anything in the sense that you're thinking, that's all you're thinking about. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. We'll, we'll, we've got some other scriptures, especially in the New Testament, that we'll look at uh, next week about how do we live a life that's free from worry. 100%, right? Perfect peace would be 100% peace. Amen. Uh, perfect peace is not most of the time peace. Perfect peace is perfect and continual peace all the time. That's a pretty good promise, amen? And that's why I love the Word of God, because I see that it's a promise. Well, then I can have it. If it's a promise, it belongs to me. It's part of my inheritance, amen? I became a child of God. I got a great inheritance. One of my inheritance uh, items is perfect and continual peace. I'll take it, right? Uh, and so that's a pretty good deal, amen? Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this morning's tithes and offerings. Uh, don't forget, today at 3 o'clock, we have healing school. And um, uh, we're getting close to the end of Dr. Yeoman's book. And we'll pick up another book after that uh, and uh, just learn more about healing. Amen. The next book that we're going to uh, look at is uh, called Bodily Healing and Atonement. Uh, and um, uh, uh, we have to, be, we have to uh, start reading that book without fear. Amen. It's got a, it's got a lot of uh, uh, Greek and Hebrew stuff in there. But um, the, the core of it is a, a really a tremendous book, amen? Uh, and so uh, we'll probably be on that book before too awful long. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, to receive this morning's tithes and offering. And um, does the Lord desire to be well, physically well, 100% well? Well, he, he does, amen? amen. Uh, anybody ever worried about, uh, the, the, uh, well, you know, this runs in my family. Runs in my uncles. I had three uncles die of this. My dad died of that. My, 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 even my mailman died of that. Uh, and we'll, we'll get worried about things, won't we? Uh, and yet, does the Lord desire to be well? Amen. See, then, then, you can, uh, then you can start quoting the word, that he sent his word and healed me. See, your mind has stayed on that, as opposed to, yeah, but what about this thing? See, then, then if your mind has stayed on him, see, the Lord may say, well, then, you know, go to the doctor and do what the doctor says. The Lord may say, well, I'll heal you supernaturally. And, you know, that would be the ideal, but that's not the case for everybody. Uh, and so, uh, once you get your mind stayed on him, Instead of worrying about it, I don't think I'm going to make it. See, that, that's a manufactured thought. Amen? You took the circumstances in, and you produced a thought coming out. Uh, and uh, we don't, that's the wrong business you want to be in. Amen? We want to st stay anchored to the Word of God. And so be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, and you're dismissed.